When you're poor in the country and nothing's in the budget, you can try your hardest, can't buy you justice. Wanna jump in the truck and go and grab the musket? That's what you call buy you justice, buy you justice, buy you justice. Who really knows the truth and can you really trust it? Buy you justice, buy you justice. You can try your hardest, can't buy you justice. Good evening, everyone. I appreciate you joining us tonight. Tonight, we've got Wes and Terry Collins on the show. They're going to be talking to us, explaining to us what happened 15 years ago when they were the last two people, at least the last two people to admit to seeing Barbara Blunt alive. Of course, Sheriff Jason Ard says they're mistaken. Tonight, I want you to hear both sides and you decide who's mistaken. I got in touch with the sheriff's office in Livingston Parish. They sent photos um, like a line line up of of guys. Mm Mm-hmm. And also pictures of Miss Blunt and asked me if this was a person I saw. And I said, yes. So tonight, uh, as always, we will have the the live chat going. And I see uh, Royce McLean is on the line. And I appreciate you joining us, Royce, and all of you out there. If you have questions as we go through tonight, and this sounds like this might be a little loud. Uh, if you if you have questions or comments or any concerns, um, we will stop what we're doing and we'll check the chat, see what's going on and get your feedback. That's that's the whole purpose of doing it live. At the end of all of this, we are trying to uh, resolve some issues. We're trying to solve some crimes. In this case, the disappearance of Barbara Blunt. So uh, we're going to. One of the things we're going to do tonight, we've got, like I said, Tess, uh, Wes and Terry are standing by. And let me tell you a little bit about them. Wes um, lived most of his life in Holden, Louisiana. And as I talked about last week, Holden's a small place, especially 15, 20 years ago. Everybody knew everybody. But if you had watched News Nation just last month, you would have heard Jason, uh, Sheriff Jason Ard, Say that uh, Wes and Terry are, well, they'll, first of all, they'll describe Wes and Terry as the Alabama couple, as if they weren't from Holton. Uh, they had just moved to Alabama in 2008, the same year that Barbara Blunt went missing, and they were back home visiting relatives back in Holden. And uh, when the storm started, the storm you heard about that flooded uh, Miss Barbara's car, they were headed back to Alabama, and that's when they saw her on the side of the road. But they'll tell, they'll tell their story. They'll tell you exactly what they saw and what they didn't see. It's frustrating, though, because the difference, the, the reason that it's important that they're from Holden is uh, Major Ben Bourgeois and Sheriff Jason Ard both said that they were mistaken, that they had mistook the woman on the side of the road as 
one of Barbara Blunt's neighbors. Uh, you see, one of her neighbor's kids was coming home from school and saw Barbara Blunt's car in a ditch on the side of the road. And he called his mother. His mother came down there. And according to Jason Art, that's who they saw. That's who Wes and Terry saw. Um, and if they were some couple from Alabama, that might be possible. However, uh, like I said, they were from Holden. And the lady that they say they mistook, the, the sheriff says they mistook for Barbara Blunt, actually, they knew well. They had uh, were members of the same church and had known each other for years. So that just simply does not add up. But we're going to let you take a look at that for yourself and decide for yourself tonight. We're going to uh, jump over here. Um, like I said, News Nation. Last month, uh, Major Ben Bourgeois and Sheriff Jason Ard making the rounds, talking about Barbara Blunt. And we're going to take a look at exactly uh, what was said in that little uh, session. Barbara lost her husband in 2004 in a horrific train accident. His tanker truck was hit by a freight train, resulting in a terrible explosion, killing Barbara's husband along with the train engineer and conductor. The family says lawsuits followed that crash. Her niece, Honeycutt, says that she's asked for police to investigate if there is, in fact, any connection with her aunt's disappearance and that tragic crash. Joining me now to talk more about the case is Livingston Parish Sheriff Jason Ard and Major Ben Bourgeois. To you both, thank you so much for your focus on this case and for giving us some of your time uh, today. I want to start with you, Sheriff. You have said that this is one of those cases that it just sticks with you. Why is that about Barbara's disappearance? Well, one of the main reasons it sticks with me is because I've been here 30 years and uh, this is the only unsolved case that I have, I've been involved in. And so, uh, you know, the last 12 I've been the sheriff and this, this case just, it just it doesn't ever leave my mind. Like I'll constantly think about it. Uh, we get a lot of tips and we appreciate those tips and those tips are, are just things that uh, keeps us, it keeps us, this case alive. And uh, we don't want to stop until we get this thing solved. And I want to see this family get their peace and get their closure. And, and you know, me and Major Bourgeois has personally went out and, and worked these, uh, these, these leads. And, and sometimes it, it's, there's a lot of theories that come with these cases. And just because that theory is there uh, doesn't mean that we don't look at it. And sometimes we take those theories all the way to the end where you know, it's really not there, but that doesn't mean that we, we push it out. It's still in the back of our minds. And, and we try to focus on that kind of thing. And again, this case has uh, not only bothered me, but I know Major Bourgeois has worked his entire career uh, in investigations just about it. And this Barbara Blunt case is just something that both of us, uh, we talk about all the time. This is a common thing at the office. This investigation has never died and it will not until it is solved. Major, I'll bring you in here. 15. Now look. This is important, okay? I, I know um, that, that Jason Ard cares about this case, but honestly, does anyone believe that he is out there personally riding around investigating this crime? I, I just, I don't know. I, I have trouble following that. One of the challenges is being so old, it's, it's a lot of times it's not seen every day. You know, the word's not out there doing what y'all doing. It does help us because it gets it back out, gets it fresh in people's minds. 
um, just the time that's lapsed. You know, some people want to maybe try to put it to the side, but but we're not going to do that. We're going to keep moving forward on any any tips or any uh, evidence that comes forward. Sheriff, we're looking at Barbara's kitchen that day. Take us through what you all saw when investigators got there, and was it initially treated as a crime scene? Uh, it was absolutely treated as a, as a crime scene. Uh, we had a lot of unanswered, que unanswered questions, but we obviously she was doing uh, some type of spring cleaning. She had pots and stuff she had pulled out of the cabinets. Uh, nothing was really out of the ordinary. The only thing that we came across at her home that made it seem like that maybe there could have been a possible struggle was her cell phone that was outside and the battery was out of it. So obviously it is it had failed. We don't know if it did that because of the wind and rain that came or did she do that because she was startled? Did she do that because she was in a struggle? So that's really the only thing, piece of evidence we had. Everything else was just normal and it was overly clean. You know, did this uh, person lure her out her home? And that's why we had little or no you know, DNA evidence. And it, so there was a lot of questions there. And at the end of the day, you know, everything that day just seemed like it was going against us, you know, just like that when we found the car, we get over there and in a matter of time, you know, this thunderstorm comes in and the rain comes up. And by the time we get this thing hooked up and onto a wrecker, it is uh, got, it has one inch of water already inside the vehicle. So everything just seemed to be going against us. But, you know, obviously we didn't stop. And, and here we are 15, later, 15 years later, still doing what we can to try to solve this case and asking people, you know, for these tips. And look, it don't matter what it is, if you remember something, uh, please call us. And even if you've told us something before and you feel like maybe, well, maybe you didn't follow up on it, call us again. And we can tell you, yeah, we did follow up on it or, or you know what, maybe we didn't. Uh, but I know that when we get those tips. We... So look, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but Wes and Terry, they originally, and you'll find out when we talk to them, but they originally told the sheriff's office what they had seen uh, way back in 2008 when it happened. And then years later, um, when they had moved back to Louisiana, uh, they were living in Louisiana and the sheriff's office, this is when uh, Woody Overton was interested in the case. Woody and Jason Ard in person came to Wes and Terry's house in Holden just, just a few years ago, sat down in the living room and they actually uh, talked about the case and they ended up going, uh, Wes and Terry went with them to show them where they saw Barbara at the end of that road. And sure enough, it was exactly the same road where the car was found. Again, this is not news to Sheriff Ard, so he, he definitely knew they weren't that Alabama couple. Lady for her age, she was very active and I think that she could even somewhat take care of herself. I think that she was absolutely lured away from that home, whether it was uh, by gunpoint or maybe uh, it was more than one person. And we just believe that's what happened. And uh, we just need to find out what the motive was. We have some speculations. We have some things that we believe that we know that happened that we can't disclose. But we also know that that's without a doubt, that's what happened. She's not the type just to disappear, not call her family, not um, you know check in. I mean, we know that something happened to this lady and it was not good in nature. I think the person of interest is absolutely watching and they need to know that we are close to getting them and we're going to do it eventually. It's just, uh, it takes a little time, but we have, uh, we have gotten uh, quite a few breaks in this case that is leading us in different directions. 
but we, we feel like that we're a little bit more solid today than we were 15 years ago. And do you believe at this point you're... Okay, okay, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. A break in the case should take you in a certain direction. I, I absolutely, something new has come up. They found something else as, as they seem to do every four years and it's going to lead them in a different direction. But what he said was the break in the case is leading them in multiple different directions. Uh, that's not usually the way that it works. It, you either have a theory or you don't have a theory and it either supports that theory and moves in that direction or it doesn't. You can't move in different directions. You can't say um, in one minute, I think this is true. And then another minute, I think this is true. And, and, and I mean, you can in the beginning because you don't have a clue, but don't don't say, I know we have a good idea what's happening and we know who the perpetrator is and he's out there watching and we're zeroing in on him. If you really are going in all kinds of different directions to me, those, those statements don't, are not really in sync with each other. We'll make sure that we continue to follow that because again, I think it's going to be, you know, more than one person involved in this. How has Barbara's disappearance, even 15 years later, impacted people? Is it still something that concerns people, worries them that they still talk about? Yes, ma'am. Any anytime Barbara Bunt's name's mentioned around the Holden community, it's uh, pe people recognize that that's a that was a good Christian lady, you know, and she was very much into the community, into her church, her family, her farming. Um, she was she was a strong lady, as the sheriff said. Take care of herself. She had uh, farm animals that she took care of by herself, and the community, I think, is is still. Uh, Got their, got their guard up somewhat um, in that area just because of this from 15 years ago. We see video of you two outside of her house. Tips are still pouring in. I'm curious, how large is your department? Are you the two primarily working on this case because you're so passionate about it? And what types of resources have you been able to deploy? Well, we have actually 358 deputies that work at the sheriff's office, and uh, we have a pretty good size investigation team. And uh, we have a lot of resources that are working on it. And uh, Ben Bourgeois and I have, have just uh, really taken this one to heart. We kind of uh, have this, uh, we kind of just got a little bit emotionally involved in this case and we want to make sure we bring it to a uh, to an end. And so me, he and I just have always been in the forefront of this case. And but we have a lot of other investigators that are working on it as well with us. How closely are you in communication with Barbara's family still now? I speak to uh, her family or a, a family member of the family, whether it be the niece, uh, the daughter, the son, or the, the sister, Miss Sarah, uh, at least once, twice a month. What happened to her house after she disappeared? Was she living there alone? At the time of her disappearance, yes, she was living there alone. Since then, her son has moved into the residence. Okay, and all of the family members have been questioned. Have all family members been cleared of any wrongdoing? Uh, all, all the family members have been questioned, um, and at this point, we, we, we don't want to get too much into the investigation, but um, we're still looking into to everything. So, Finally, Sheriff, I'll give you the, the last word here. Your message to the public, um, because tips are still coming in, and it's just going to take that one tip, that final piece of the puzzle for you guys to solve and crack this case. Um, what should people be considering when they're thinking back 15 years ago that could help you? Uh, any information will help us, uh, and, and we find in, in, in crime, sometimes people think, well, 
I know about this, but it's kind of so small and they're really busy. They probably don't really want to look at that. That's not true. We want every piece of evidence you think you have. I don't care whether it's a suspicion or if it's something maybe that somebody said, you overheard a conversation. Those are That's important to us because again, we have all these pieces of this puzzle uh, and some of them are missing and they may actually hold that key piece that solves this that actually can help us put this whole entire puzzle together. Uh, so it's very important that the citizens know that look, we take this serious, we need your help. We're only as good as the information we receive. And so we need your help in this case. Uh, we feel like we have some good evidence and it's leading us in a, in a right direction, but you may actually hold some pieces that actually will help us come together and solve this even quicker. Yeah, and I encourage everyone who has seen this story now to share it with those you know who are in your circle so we can continue to get the word out. The number to call is what, Sheriff, if people have tips? 225-686-2241, uh, and you can ask for an investigative division, and they'll put you to you know, I, I really appreciate one thing about this report, though, that they even though they are, are, are almost adamant that the the home was where this abduction happened or, or lured her from the house, or whatever may have happened. Um, so they, they really totally discount, again, Wes and Terry's story and the fact that that she was seen later than at the house and she was actually seen in the very same place where her car was found, or at least a few feet away. The, uh, the thing that always puzzled me, of course, was that um, portable phone, the little antenna phone that, that was found on the carport and it apparently had fallen off some cabinet or something. That helped me understand a little bit more because the original story, when you hear that, is it, it, it coupled with the, the door being ajar and the pots and pans on the floor, Originally, you know, you think, oh, yeah, that's that's what they did. They went in there and they grabbed her and blah, blah, blah. But then when you hear about the spring cleaning and you hear about the bad weather and, and everything else, you think, OK, it's possible. She could have just ran down to the dollar store to get something to clean. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, someone flagged her down. She pulled over on the side of the road or someone could have called her, said, hey, come meet me and told her something that um, that she had to uh, adhere to. I don't know, but but I appreciate the fact that the sheriff's office uh, explained about the phone that it's not the um, it's not cut and dry that that phone means that she was abducted there at home. Let's see. Taking a look at our um, comments here. Uh, let's see. Awaken says by the looking glass reflection. Hey, I I, I caught a lie. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Royce also got the live show. Uh, he says he got tears in his eyes, so touching uh, that they are personally involved talking about the sheriff's office. Makes me wish I could go and vote right now. Uh, this is an election year, and that's the only thing that bugs me. You know, we we have we seem to have press conferences and 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 get podcasters involved and all that sort of thing uh, when it gets close to election year and election year. Uh, Barbara Blunt is important every one of those 15 years and and we need to find her and 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 for the record this podcaster is always here every week and it has nothing to do with any sort of election uh this person the, the awakened person says uh this last christmas baton rouge police department called me and they told me my daughter shot herself oh my goodness uh and the bullet or gun was never found well i 
if I can in any way help with that, please reach out and I will be glad to dig into it and see what I can find out. Okay, if you listened to the the special that we just went through from News Nation, you'll notice, well, they didn't mention Wes and Terry, and that's because uh, that was actually the opening of their show, and we're going to take a look at that right now. Someone saw Barbara's silver Toyota parked in the woods off of a hunting club road. For a clean, well-maintained vehicle like that to be parked off into the woods on a hunting club road was just uh, very suspicious and out of place. Her keys were found lying in the gravel road beside the car. But by the time police were able to get a tow truck to bring her vehicle in for investigation, a downpour of rain compromised the evidence. There was an inch of water in the floorboard of the vehicle. That's how much rain had came just in that few hours there. Police found Barbara's home undisturbed. Among her belongings left were her glasses, cell phone, and even her gun. The only sign of a possible struggle was out in the carport. Her cordless landline phone was found on the ground with the batteries out. Police say it's hard to link that to any foul play. She was known to where if she went outside or something, she would bring that cordless phone outside and with the storm that come through, it could have easily been blown over. She could have dropped it out of being startled. She could have dropped it out of a struggle. We don't really know. The Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office pulled over Barbara's cell phone and landline records and found nothing out of the ordinary. There's another tip they received in recent years they've ruled out. A couple from Alabama came forward saying they believe they saw Barbara where her car was found in 2008. They claimed she was speaking with a man in a pickup truck. Investigators looked into this and believe the couple actually saw a witness who found Barbara's vehicle. We have talked to the ones that were assisting with locating the vehicle, and we believe that that is the same person that they saw whenever they were passing going to Alabama. So, yeah, they have talked to those people because the guy, the kid, this was a high school kid. He may have been a senior. He was driving home to his house and again he he lived in Barbara Blunt's neighborhood and um his his mom was known to Barbara Blunt uh they, there were two churches on that road uh, Macedonia which is the oldest church in Livingston Parish and at the end of that road is Magnolia Baptist Church uh Barbara went to Magnolia and the neighbor went to uh, Macedonia, but so did Wes and Terry. So they, they knew her quite well. Well, anyway, this, this, uh, young boy found the car, went home, got his mom. And in fact, um, they, they had a, a young lady that was staying with them from California. I've talked to her and, and they've come down. And I also talked to the mom, by the way. And, and they came down, found the car, uh, called the sheriff's office by then Christy, uh, Barbara, Barbara Blunt's daughter had already called the police. And so all of that just kind of came together. Uh, but again, this was a couple hours after Wes and Terry had come through. Oh, and I should mention that the young lady from California who was staying with the neighbor was also Wes and Terry's niece. So I think they also, uh, she also would have recognized her aunt and uncle had they come by. So it's just, just crazy how, uh, we kind of push things off. Oh, and by the way, the the young the young guy who found the car, he is now a Livingston Parish Sheriff's deputy. I got in touch with the sheriff's office in Livingston Parish. They sent photos 
um, like a line a lineup of, of guys, mm -hmm. and also pictures of Miss Blunt, and asked me if, if this was a person I saw. And I said yes. We'll jump real quick here, and then we'll, we'll get back to Wes and Terry. But make sure that I'm not missing anything. Um, the 3rd of July, another woman was found beaten to death in the same complex. Oh, my goodness. That's terrible. Uh, he, he, uh, this gentleman or this lady says, I uh, actually spoke with the man who killed her, talking about their daughter, uh, gave the recorded call to the police department, and that they told me they were looking for him. Uh, that was, again, on the 3rd of July. Well, I, I hope that uh, he gets what is coming to him then, for sure. All right, so going back, and, and this thing was going to try to play Terry again. Yeah, <laughs> let's go to the full interview here. Um, All right, Wes. Yes. On the news, the sheriff has been describing you guys as, the, as that couple from Alabama. Um were you ever described as someone from Holden? I grew up in Holden. Went to Holden and started junior high. Went to mm -hmm. Holden High School. Um, I grew up on Hall Branch. I know 1036. I'd learned to drive on the gravel road, which is now Highway 1036, where we saw I saw Barbara Blunt. Huh. So I know those woods like the back of my hand. That's what uh, I thought. And, okay, I'm not a newcomer. I'm not a new kid. <laughs> so, so how long do you think all together through the years you lived in Holden? Living in Holden and somewhere around 1960, he was 63. Mm -hmm. uh, except for a brief stint in the Navy, and I lived there until around 2008. Okay. Just tell me about... Um, getting married in the oldest church in Livingston Parish. How was that, and how'd that come about? Well, Macedonia uh, uh, Church has always been a kind of a mystical place, uh, if that's the right word. We always like to stop and drink from the natural spring well there. Uh, and being the oldest church in Livingston Parish, we thought it would be a neat place to have a wedding. All right, Terry, if you will, just kind of take us back that to that day, May 2008. And I know you guys were visiting relatives in Holden, and you were yeah. about to head back to Alabama. Where were you living then? We were living in Fort Payne, Alabama. Uh, you guys were getting ready to head back, and you were leaving a little early because it was starting to rain. Is that correct? Yes, there was a report that there was going to be a storm coming. And my husband and my three children and I were camping in our son's yard in Louisiana, in Holden, actually. Mm -hmm. And when we heard about the weather coming, we packed up our camper and headed out back towards Fort Payne. Just to back up what Ms. my wife, Ms. Terry, just told you, uh, I was pulling a camper. We left day early because of the storm um, in the forecast, and we was headed up 1036, going back to Alabama, and I saw uh, right there where that little dirt road just off of 1036 to the mm -hmm. west, there was uh, 
uh, a, a sedan and a Ford truck. The sedan was nosed down the little dirt road, and the sedan truck was parked parallel to 1036. Okay. And I threw my hand up and laid like I always do to everybody. And, mm-hmm. uh, I saw, uh, I remember what I think was Miss Barbara Blunt lays her hand up to speak. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't remember a whole lot of details, uh, except there was a male there. Yeah, you know, in the fourth truck. Right. And, and it wasn't until later we found out she was missing that we realized that was what we saw. Wow. So we come up to uh, Miss Blunt, that we believe it's Miss Blunt. Um, I don't know who this lady is, but this lady looks at us as we are looking at so at this, at this point, you even though you had went to church, you went to church in Macedonia, where she went to church yeah. in Magnolia. So you really didn't know Barbara Blunt. Didn't know this. No, sir. I don't. I don't know who she is. I, I don't know any of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but you saw her on the side of the road. Yes. So so tell us what she was doing and what was going on. She was talking to a gentleman in a silver Ford pickup truck. <clears throat> And the gentleman had mirrored glasses, sunglasses, and blonde hair, mm-hmm. thin face. And Miss Blunt looked at us, which we thought was strange. She had her glasses in her hand. And the, her car was down the, like a dirt road to the to the left mm-hmm. and this gentleman in the truck slouched down and put his head between or behind the door or frame mm-hmm. of the truck and my husband and I didn't really think anything much about it I mean it's pretty little strange maybe mm-hmm. we went home to Alabama, and we were there a few days, and um, while we were there, we decided we're going to go on vacation to Norfolk, Virginia. I have a son in in the service Mm -hmm. at that time. So we were visiting, and I was working on Facebook. And I saw this picture of Miss Blunt. Okay. And I told my husband, I said, look at this. And I said, that's the lady we saw. He goes, you're right. So I called the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. So you called the local sheriff's office where you were? Yes. Or? No, no, I'm sorry, the, the Livingston Ferris. Okay. And spoke to Chuck Ward. Mm-hmm. He sent a picture of Miss Blunt and also lineup of gentlemen that it may have been. And he wanted me to pick this, this person out. Mm-hmm. So I said, This is the lady that I saw. So I went to her. Uh-huh. And in the lineup, I said, The gentleman had a Thin face. I mean, people say, how do you know? Because I looked at this guy. What are you slouching down? 
<laughs> but I saw a thin face, the blonde hair, mm-hmm. and the narrow glasses. And I said, I think this is a gentleman. Not sure. Mm-hmm. And that was all. And excuse me. This was sent to the police department. The, the lineup was sent to the police department in Norfolk. Okay, so you went to the police station in Norfolk, Virginia, and, and you yes. you picked out a picture of Barbara Blunt, and, and yes. you did you did pick out a picture of a guy, or you did not? I I did. I said I think that could be you, Tim. I'm not sure. Okay. So, um. So they thanked me, and I went on about my way until I was contacted by the uh, police department. The sheriff's office in um, Livingston. Okay. So how long was that before they followed up with you again? Mm, I can't give time. We had moved back there from, from Alabama back down to Louisiana. Okay, that's after you moved back to Louisiana. Yes. I got you. So you guys were living in Holden, and they reached out to you, and, and what did they want? Uh, they asked if they could come by and ask questions if I could show them where the vehicle was. Okay. And I said, I showed them. So I got in their vehicle and went up, was going up 1036. And I said, this is where she was standing. Mm -hmm. And that's where the car was. And this is where the truck was. And I told them and they kind of looked at one another and shook their head and turned around and said, no, thank me. So I don't know if you've heard the news, uh, you guys. Where are you guys living now? We live in Maryland. You live in Maryland. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard the news up there, but the sheriff's office has come out just in the last few weeks and said that you guys, uh, you and Wes, were mistaken, and you did not see Barbara Blunt. Well, the people that you actually saw were a lady named Christine who lives in the area and her son. Those were the two folks that found the car in the ditch and called the sheriff's office. And they stood there at the end of that road waiting for the sheriff's office to come to the scene. And the sheriff's office is now saying that that's who you saw. You didn't see Barbara Blunt and and anyone else. No, sir. I know Christine. And I know what Christy looks looks like. I go to church with Christy. I used to when I lived there. That's what I thought. The two of you had went to church together. Yes. So it was not that. It was Barbara Blunt. According to the picture that I saw Mm -mm. at Norfolk and the picture that I saw on Facebook. I got you. So even if the picture didn't match, though, you know that wasn't Christine. No, I know Christine. Okay. And do you know her son? Would you know him if you saw him? Christine's son? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, so so he, I, it sounds like, though, the, the guy that was in the truck was probably too old to be her son anyway. Her son saw the car when he was coming home from school. So, yeah, he was in high school. No, this was not a high school person. This was an adult. No. <laughs> Great. That's what I thought, and I just wanted you guys to confirm that because people are are really concerned. You know, and people naturally, whatever the sheriff's office says, people say, oh, that must be it then. 
And, and I was certain from talking to, to the two of you before that that was not a possibility. No, it was not Christine, and it was not a teenage son. Okay, and we'll jump out here and take a look again at our chat and continuing the conversation uh, with Awakened. Uh, got some buffering going on, and Royce had mentioned that as well. Um, that's the problem. That's the problem with going live, and, and I've, I've, I've dealt with that a little bit uh, the last few weeks. And what happens, what seems to happen, is when you do get the replay, when you get the live recording on YouTube, uh, the, the buffering is not there. Hopefully that will be the case this time. If not, I record it locally and I keep a copy. I can always replace it if I need to. If this continues, you know, we're, we're at the mercy of Spectrum Internet and, and how many people just happen to be online on a Sunday night. Um, so if we have to, we may have to stop doing the live and just do uh, um, uh, release the recordings at that time. But I like being able to interact with you guys and, and as you can see here the different things. And Awakened, if I can help in any way, reach out to me. Uh, sometimes all it takes with these cases is to spread the word because out there somebody knows somebody who knows something. And if you can trigger the right chord with somebody and get them to step forward either to law enforcement or to the media, some media you can still trust, uh, then it's worth it. It's worth it to finally uh, close cases after many, many years. And that's exactly the case of Barbara Blunt. Many, many years. We're going to continue to talk about Barbara Blunt throughout the month of October. We've got five Sundays all together. This is our second. So if you, if you are in Barbara Blunt's family and you would like to talk to us, if you'd like to share anything, if you're in the neighborhood, and you would like to talk about Barbara Blunt, reach out. I would love to have you on the show, particularly if you're in law enforcement. Sheriff Jason Art, if you'd like to step forward and, and kind of tell us or, or Major Ben Bourgeois, anything that we can do to help you, that's what we are here for. And I thank all of you for joining us. And again, anything I can do to help out, please let me know. Justice. Buy you justice. You can try your hardest, can't buy you justice.